LSG Media presents a Game of Thrones podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back for the seventh season, third episode, The Queen's Justice. I'm Dean. Jessica's uh, sitting right here next to me, and we're dying to get into this week's episode. Uh, another awesome episode, in my opinion. So why don't we dive right into our opening impressions. Jessica, talk to me about the Queen's Justice, please. I like this episode a lot. Here's why. Here's why I liked it. You ready? When I watch previews for this episode, next week on Game of Thrones, or however they say it, that's the wrong voice, but that's I don't Star care. Trek. Previously on Star Trek. Okay. Previously on Game of Thrones, right. the next generation. Um, and <laughs> they showed coming, like the Danny and John meeting. Right? Mm. I was like, so we all fucking know what's going to happen here, right, guys? Right, right? The episode is going to end with John and Danny face to face, and we'll see them talk in episode four. I probably made this joke on the last podcast. If I didn't make it on the last podcast, then I at least made it out loud to Dean after the episode ended. Is that a joke? It's not particularly funny. It's a commentary. It's more an observation, but go ahead. It was an observation. So imagine my surprise when the episode opens with Jon Snow arriving at Dragonstone and by 10 minutes in, Danny and John have met. Mm. Holy shit. We're not fucking around. We mean business. We mean business. Um, I like to see Davos and the, meet these people. I like to see Tyrion interact with everybody. Masandi, she was there. She's cool. She's she's a cool chick. But, she did well. You know, she's thinking about Grey Worm. She's got a lot of things going on. He did well. They both had they both had solid ups for, yeah, both- for, their, for their place in the fucking show. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was pretty cool. I was very excited about that. Uh, and, and, you know, other stuff happened in the episode, but I was real excited about the two minutes of Elena Tyrell. That was what makes her my fucking favorite grandma of all time. Mm -hmm. And she has been since the moment I saw her on the show. And she is a character who I've never wavered on. And I've always loved when the audience um, says, who's the one character Jessica always loves? Elena Tyrell. She's one. Don't you know it? You know it. I have never. Did you waver on Jorah? Oh, yeah. I think I hated Jorah at the time. Wow. Early on, I think I hated him first before I came to love him. Just like Danny. <laughs> we had the same turnaround about Jorah. So weird. Huh. Anyway, 100%, Olenna Tyrell, maybe the only character in the show that is not a dire wolf that I have always loved. Now right. she's gone. One that actually can speak English, as it were. As it were. Everybody else, I guess mm. Tyrion I've always loved too, but he was boring for a little bit. So just Olenna. I miss her already. Yeah. Yeah. She's been good. Pretty consistent all the way through. Uh, is she your standout moment or is it the obvious the standout, the the meeting? No, no, no. A hundred percent that last scene is the standout moment of the episode for me. And rewatching it again, I feel the same way. Really? Yep. I, I fucking loved it. She's a she's a powerful force. I that love woman. that fuck you. Is that what she said? That she gave to Jamie. Yeah. That's what she said with her words in her mind, in her looks, and how she was she like. She called his son a cunt. Also, which was I killed your son. glorious. Not only did she call his son a cunt. Oh my God, we're already talking about the scene. We have to save it. She also was like, by the way, I killed him too. Sorry, bitch. Right. I'll drink my poison the way I would like to go out if I ever die. Poisoned wine. Wow. Yes. <laughs> That's, um, I just want to go ahead and, and remove myself from any possible being a suspect should this ever happen because I don't know this is really weird now how many people have I just said if I die that's how I want to die like there's a million suspects at this point hmm. I couldn't even be mad if I want to like her I just hope I don't know I murder somebody first so I can talk about it not really just kidding anything you're down on mm, I, I don't know I was pretty high on this episode as a whole I thought it was really fun I liked the way they did the battles 
mm-hmm. where they didn't show them with the voiceovers. I thought that was really creative. That was hit and miss for some listeners. Yeah, see, I liked it. Yep. Uh, we can't show every single battle all the time, and the show's just going to be battle. So I like that. Um, I actually really liked Yoran this episode being a fucking wackadoo. He was entertaining. Who? Yoran. Greyjoy. Yoran. Gotcha. Yeah. I thought you said Yoran, and it fucked me up because I just binged watch season two over the last. I've probably in the last two weeks watched the whole season, and I'm re- I'm re- I was remembering Yoran, the recruiter for the Nights Nights Watch. I remember that guy because I haven't watched season two in a long time. Yeah. But um, and also the other highlight of the episode is Jorah is cured and him and Sam are bros and it was sweet and we'll talk about that too. Okay, I'm done. I am. I gotta be honest with you. I'm I'm shocked. You you continue to prove to me that you're very good at keeping me off balance <laughs> because if I with a gun to my head, if if you'd have told me, listen, Dean, either you guess this right. Or Cersei's going to plant her big 1980s red shade lips on you, and then that's the end of you. You're going to bleed out of your eyes and ears and asshole or whatever the fuck happens to these people. And um, you're going to die unless you get this answer correct. I would be dead because I would have surely thought the standout moment for you would have been the fact that your A number one man that you are in love with, Jor Mormont, was 100% cured of his grayscale and most likely on his way to Dragonstone because let me tell you something, Danny desperately needs military counsel. Desperately. And I would have thought him standing there, the handshake, the sunlight coming through, him looking up at that caged window knowing he's free. <laughs> free at last! I would have thought for sure that would have been the one for you. I mean, it was beautiful. And any other episode, there would be no contest. But as hmm. I said earlier... There's only one person on the show I've never hated, and that was Elena Tyrell. Powerful. And she was fucking fantastic um, with Jorah standing in the sunlight like a picture I want painted on my wall. <laughs> You're like, hey, Dean, I got a new tattoo. Listen, just hear me out. It's Jorah fucking Mormon looking at a cage window with sunlight coming through, shining onto his piss yellow tunic. If I was ever going to get a tattoo of a human face, it would for sure be Jorah. Anyway. Holy shit. Well, <laughs> there's plenty to talk about this week. Um, I am very excited that we got to see Jon Snow come face to face with Danny. I think this is your moment. Uh, this is what we've been waiting for for seasons. We've seen where both of these characters have come, what they've been through, and where they are now. And, and this is something that Game of Thrones does very uniquely well, and that's putting these people through these incredible journeys uh, with so many different things that have happened to both of them. Uh, you know, Danny goes on and on about the things that happened to her. Uh, John really doesn't, but we know what happened to John. Uh, John is obviously a lot more humble than Danny. Uh, John never referred to himself in the third person, uh, <laughs> which is really showing me the stardom starting to go to Danny's head. You know, she got that big contract big contract from Westeros to come and rule. So now she's like, I'm just chilling on my millions, got my new, my own sneaker brand. And now she fucking talks in the third person, whatever that's about. But uh, I am excited. Uh, I am very excited to see where this goes. And uh, I like seeing what's going on with the Lannisters. For me, a big highlight of this episode was the Lannisters outfoxing Danny and her people yet again. Uh, this is something that I am very happy the show has decided to give us. Uh, I like that a lot. I thought a lot of this was going to be watching them 
get smacked around a little bit, maybe a couple of good battle moments from Jamie, Jamie, but overall, succumbing to Danny, Cersei gets killed, I don't really know what happens to Jamie, and then we turn our attention toward the Night King. Uh, it seems like we might be flipping that script, and I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of okay with the fact that they might do this in reverse order. I don't know. I'm, I'm it's interesting to think about, but uh, I am uh, I am high on this episode. Uh, I've I've enjoyed the season. I thought they've done a good job of of showing us a lot of important things and executing on those things. So I liked it. Um, I I had I had mixed feelings about the battles. I know in season two they actually did this. The very battle that Jamie learned from, which is the battle at the Whispering Wood, uh, was not shown either back in Season 2, which was when Rob Stark outfoxes Jamie. Jamie gets very confident. Rob Stark outs- outfoxes him and and defeats him. With the, Obviously, by the way, guess who, who made that battle possible? Fucking Walder Frey. <laughs> For letting him through uh, on a promise that John, of course, will not fulfill, and then he'll get murdered. Uh, Rob, not John. Um, so pretty cool that they they did that in this battle as they did the other one, uh, the Cashley Rock thing. It was cool to see Grey Worm in action. I like that we saw him fighting. And I was thinking a lot about Grey Worm today. And I oh, my God. I don't say that every day. And I thought, here is a guy who, despite having amazing martial prowess, I mean, this guy fought side by side with Barristan Selmy, a legendary knight. And... He proved he was strong enough to survive when Barristan wasn't. Obviously, Barristan was fucking 60. But still, uh, he survived that battle in the, with the Sons of the Harpies, and, and he moved on. But what, what Grey Worm doesn't have is he doesn't have these large-scale tactics. He doesn't have that knowledge. He's more of a small unit fighting guy. Those are the kind of tactics he understands, how to deploy 7, 10, 15 guys how to move the right way in those deployments. He, he doesn't strike me as somebody who knows a lot about massive scale strategic warfare. Now, obviously, those guys ranking up, forming their shield walls and all that shit was cool. I'm sure that was Grey Worm who came up with that, but he doesn't have the kind of experience that the knights and lords of Westeros have when it comes to this kind of warfare, and it was pretty cool to see him get outfoxed by Jamie Lannister. I thought that was cool. We saw some... Grey Worm getting some love and respect in his martial prowess, and we saw Jamie getting some and using his strategy, his his tactical mind and employing strategy, which is cool. So a lot to talk about, a lot of cool shit going on, and uh, we're going to do this like we always do, right, Jessica? We're going to go uh, location by location with a quick look in on our boy Tyrion. Tyrion, uh, excuse me, Jesus Christ, Theon Greyjoy, yeah. or Reek, as he's known in certain circles. I can just real quick, ready? Yes. Let's start right there. Theon is alive. Pulled out of the water by Greyjoys. He says, they say Yara's dead. He says, no, she's kidnapped. Theon says, I couldn't save her. I tried. And they're like, you wouldn't be here if you tried. Mm-hmm. Theon is defeated. His PTSD continues. He needs a therapist. There are not good ones on the Iron Islands. We move on from Theon. Can I say one thing about that, though, before Bam. we move on? Sure. Uh, with the attack by Euron last week, some people were questioning or asking... They, it, it might have been one of our listeners. I think it might have been Annie uh, actually asking, does Theon know how to fight? I didn't catch that. And yes, he killed several Greyjoys, several of, of Euron's men. Um, and I think that's pretty interesting. And this goes to show you, when you think about what those men said, if you had tried to rescue, you'd be dead too. That's saying something for Euron. Theon is a competent fighter. He knows how to fight. He killed multiple guys in that skirmish. And they know that he would not 
defeat Euron. They know he doesn't have what it takes. They must know he can fight a little bit, but that just goes to further the martial prowess, in my opinion, of Euron. That small little interaction, uh, I think, highlights that a little bit more for me. That's, that's what I took from it, other than Theon endures. He's still around. He's still alive. Now where is he going to go? Is he going to go defeated, you know, kicking rocks, chin down, eyes at the floor, back to back to Danny? He must, right? If those were Danny's Greyjoys, those weren't Euron's Greyjoys. They were Danny's Greyjoys. Correct. So he's going to end up back at, at, at uh, I was going to say Stormborn, back at Dragonstone. Stormborn. So there you go. Yeah. Good shit. So should we start? Uh, where do you want to start? You I don't want to start at Dragonstone because Dragonstone leads into the battles and that leads into Elena Tyrell. And okay. I would like to do that. I like to end with Dragonstone I'm into down. the battles. So I'd like to basically go through everything else first. So do you want to just start? In Old Town? Oh my God. Opening up with Jorah Mormont. We have to. All right. He's Let's my boyfriend. I know he is, but not the highlight of the episode, which is, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm still a little bit shocked at that. Listen. I'm listening. Elena Tyrell's a badass. It's true. Okay, um, let's talk about it. Uh, the Archmaester examines Jorah, tells him that the infection is no longer active. Yeah. Uh, Jorah is quippy here. He says, I assume it was the rest, the climate. He, he was it's so, so good, right? funny. Trying to keep Sam protected. The Archmaester leaves. Uh, Jorah's like, well, essentially, how much trouble are you in? What, what the fuck is going on with you? And, uh, and he's like, well, well, I'm Sam. We'll see. And that's when Jorah says, the only place for me is back with her. I owe my life, her and you. And uh, he's like, well, your father saved me more than once. It's the least I can do. That's tentative and, and scared of everything. Sam, uh, perhaps our paths will cross again. Such a poetic thing to say. And, uh, and of course, Sam just says, I hope they do too. <laughs> and that's when the big handshake moment comes. The, 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 the chin quiver from Jorah, which is a great emotional moment for him. And uh, and then, of course, later Sam gets in trouble, which we'll get to. But but take me through this. Uh, anything? This I guess there's not a lot going on here. There's not a lot to discuss other than to maybe wonder where Jorah's going to go. But what do you have to say about the scene? I just want to say that despite his scars, Jorah looks handsome as ever. Mm-hmm. And I don't want anyone to, you know, think that I'm still looking great, looking real great. Uh, I love the moment with the Grand Maester. He's like, it's almost as if you were the wounds were debrided, and like mm. I don't know, he was like talking like uh, serious like medicine talk here. And Jorah's like, nope, just resting, which was cute, even though yeah, it was obvious yeah, Sam yeah. had helped him. Um, but it, let's talk briefly about the handshake moment, which is so wonderful. Um, th- there's something about this man has grayscale. He knows that it is incredibly infectious, just basically by touch. And that is almost certain death. You know what I mean? Sure. And this moment where not him, he doesn't reach out to shake Sam's hand, but Sam reaches out to shake his mm-hmm. and what that means to Jorah and knowing that Sam truly believes he's cured and knowing that he can believe that, that it's actually the truth. Mm-hmm. I think this is the moment where he's like, oh my God, this is real. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 very lovely. And the right. sun shining in and Jorah looks great. Jorah's like, I haven't touched a woman in years, but you'll do. I did make a joke, though, about how um, he says he owes his life to Danny and he wants to bang Danny. So maybe he'll go see her and like hook up with her. And he also likes owes his life to Sam, but he does not feel those same carnal feelings towards Sam, I feel. Not yet. So I just want to make, no, 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 stop. No. Sam is not going to be Jorah's boyfriend. Okay. Not yet. They both have women. 
Okay. Sam, I'm Sam sorry has a child of sorts. I had sex with Gilly. Um, <laughs> My God. So anyway, uh, yeah, I. Um, so Jorah's going to go back to Danny, and I think the timing of this is starting to take shape. I think we're starting to see the meta aspect of this storytelling, which is she desperately needs a military commander. Jorah is just that. He knows how to handle this kind of stuff. And Sam is the one who basically saved him, was connections to Jon Snow. We're continuing to connect these people. Correct. Correct. I, I, think, that's a, I think that's a good call. Uh, I'm assuming Jon Snow doesn't give a shit about Jorah's crimes from however many years ago that was. I don't think Jon's really interested in doing that. I mean, he's, he's pardoned how many White, Walk, uh, White Walkers? <laughs> how many wildlings? <laughs> Night King, you're pardoned. Oh, cool. <laughs> Come fucking, Great, I'll just come hang out here. Come put your fucking undead feetsies up on can my... I, can I beer? <laughs> what do you drink? Oh, blood. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> uh, we don't have that. <clears throat> Ooh, Misho Pisho. I don't know if I'm saying that right. The chat says, I think the handshake is Sam's death now. Really? Damn. No, I don't think so. I think Sam's going to become a maester and survive this thing. Yeah, Dean was really high on um, how Sam was going to be wearing like maester garb and being all smart and shit. Right. I think Taking so. over the job of Harry Potter guy. Yeah, I think so too. I think so. Um, somebody said, oh, Elliot from Chicago in the chat said, I was 75% certain they'd make us watch 10 more minutes of descaling Jorah. Glad they didn't. I'm glad too. I think they showed us what they needed to. Oof. Uh, Debriding like a wound on a conscious creature, the thought of that is like, oh my God, like that is painful. Brutal. It's, it's real bad. So uh, I am. I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of counsel Jura can offer. Danny, she's 100% going to need it. She does need yeah. it now. She needs it now. She's going to be so happy to see him. And like Dario is long gone. It means nothing, by the way. Worst favorite. Always hated him. Never didn't hate him. Lies. I think I always hated him. No, you did. You, you loved him at some point. So. I don't believe that. Um. So now Jura's got an in. He's got a chance. Like Danny doesn't have any suitors just trying to marry her. So she might as well hook up with Jorah. <laughs> It's good that you're here to tell us about the importance of Jorah's place in Danny's heart versus Honestly, what he brings to the table strategically speaking. I gotta tell you that I think Jorah might be too good for Danny. Wow. He might be able to find a better woman. Wow. And that's she, not so You know selfish. what I love about you? How you just double down on this train of babble. <laughs> I love it. That's why you're here. I love that you just double down on this nonsense. If, if people in the chat are not here to hear me talk about who I ship and the relationship knowledge of this show... They have mm -hmm. to understand that that matters just as much as the strategic battles, mm -hmm. the deaths, the whatever else. That's all. That, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Not the plots the character and the development. characters and the stories and the subplots and the layers and the intrigue and the... I mean, that's important, Ship, but... Shipping is all part of that. Okay. I want to talk about your own ships. All right. Although... You want to talk about your own ships? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not talking about that oh, when I say shipping. Right. Um, well, I'm glad you doubled down on that, but you might be, you're, you're low on Danny. What's going on here? Confess. We'll get there. Okay. <clears throat> I thought she did, she did pretty good this week for the most part, except for a couple of eye rolling moments, which I've already talked about on social media. <laughs> All right. Sorry. David Rowland in the chat says, we do want actual nephew banging. So for those who ship, um, John and Danny, John and Danny. Yep. Yeah, you can't bang your auntie. House Stark Remembers also says that I was always on again, off again with Dario, and his name is House Stark Remembers, so he knows better than me, probably. Yeah, there you go. Whatever. <laughs> okay, so let's go. Uh, where to now? Well, we got to talk about the Grand, the, not the Grand Maester. That's what I call him every single time in my notes, but he's actually actually the Archmaester. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, real quick. I thought for sure Jorah was going to get heartsbane from Sam. Yeah, I Dean said that the first time Maybe we were watching the then. episode. Maybe not. But I, I I don't know if we're going to see Jorah appearing at Dragonstone or saying goodbye to Sam again. I don't. I, I think, think he that was his goodbye to I Sam. I think so too. I think he's gone. If he's saying goodbye to Sam again in the next episode, <laughs> Sam, shake my hand again. It'll be like we watched this like recap of season six, and they're like John walks out like he's going to leave, and then like in the next episode he's still in the same place and never left. Like right. the bad editing that would be if in the next episode like Jorah's just hanging out with Sam. He'd be like, right. oh, wait a second. All right, where's you? Well, do you want to talk about how Sam got punished, even though he did oh, a good yeah, job? Absolutely, yeah. I got to tell you, I thought for a moment, I, I could not have predicted what Sam's what direction Sam's story was going to do, what what direction it would go. And one of the things I really liked about this episode is that, and what I like about Sam's story in general is I don't know his fates, and I don't mean life or death, but his path. Maybe a better better way to say it. And I thought Sam could be expelled right now and then where is he going to go i thought that i really did and then when the guy didn't expel him and said well your reward is not getting expelled so let's not get ahead of yourself but you are going to transpose all of these rotting manuals and scrolls and scripts into new ones so we can preserve our history that's your fucking punishment Uh, i liked it Uh, i liked it a lot also Sam has a great quote in this where he says, I read the book and followed the instructions, mm-hmm. uh, which produced many, many great memes about the RTFM, which is read the fucking manual, which is hilarious. That was all over the, all over Twitter. Read the fucking manual, just like Sam, uh, which I guess is a thing. So I right. that was funny. And, and it's interesting because he's like, you should be proud, whatever. And then he basically gives him bitch work. But Elliot from Chicago in the chat says he put important information in front of Sam for him to copy his punishment. And I agree. My immediate mm, thought was those books were going to have some information about the Night King, about the White Walkers, about the long winter the that long Sam night. needs to know that they originally weren't giving him access to. I know we haven't seen that yet, but that was my initial feeling the very first time I watched the episode as well. And I'm glad other people had that feeling. And I hope that that is the case because yeah. Sam is my friend. So, yeah, you hated him two weeks ago. Just going <laughs> to throw it out really there as you like ago? to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, cool. So good stuff. Yeah, maybe there's going to be some important information there that will play a role in the war to come. I think so. Awesome. Uh, shall we move on to our next stop? Do you want to go to Winterfell? Yeah, let's just do it. Okay. So Sansa is awesome, right? She's being a badass. She's just leading people, telling old men what to do. I'm, I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Proud of her. Do you, Is telling old men what to do something you yearn for in life? <laughs> <laughs> Old man, sweep that floor. No, but I like watching a young woman, you know, be in charge of a bunch of old battle commanders who probably think that they're, you know, such badasses. And she's like, uh, no. They're pretty much badasses. Not compared to Sansa Stark. Okay. Bye. Okay. Um, Are you comparing the accolades of Jan Royce to Sansa Stark? I just hope Jan Royce dies, honestly. That's the only thing that matters to me. That's only because he's in your Deadpool. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. <laughs> well, anyway, she's she's walking around doing her thing. Now, I spotted something on the rewatch, and I pointed it out mm-hmm. to you, and I think it's important to note. And I'm trying to go back in my head and remember what they were, but there's this moment where uh, Sansa is talking to Jan Royce and that maester. I don't remember his name. Uh, they talk about, uh, you know, how, how long is the winter going to be? Uh, Sansa wants answers. They talk about food, uh, how we're going to 
you know, if Winterfell has to feed the entire North, we need to figure out something about getting the grain here. And she's just making important strategic points. And I think it's good to note this. Uh, she also, the, the, the maester tells her, there's a copy of every Raven Scroll here. Master Lewin made copies of all of them. And Littlefinger shoots that guy a look like, uh-oh. Littlefinger has that look like, did I leave porn on my laptop at home and open <laughs> when I went to work today? <laughs> um, are they going to see what depraved shit I like at home? Uh, so I, I caught that. I might be reading into something. I don't think so. But I think it's something. I think it's something and it's bad news for Littlefinger. Unfortunately, in my rewatch, yeah. I haven't gotten to Littlefinger shit yet. I'm still in season two and watch him do that. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember all the treacherous fucking notes he might have said. Maybe the Ramsey Bolton stuff with the with the promising her and blah blah. And, but she knew that he told her, so I don't know. I, I can't really remember. Is there also a chance that maybe it wasn't like oh shit I'm gonna get caught? It was like there's information I might need in there that can help me. Mm. Is that possible? Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, they're certainly going to know about Theon as they're putting on the chat because um, Master Lewin died under Theon's care. Oh, yeah. So that's possible. Mm, interesting. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, uh, I I think it's going to come back, but I'm but I'm not sure. It's going <laughs> to. Mandatory. He's, go, he's just going digging. Info is his porn. Yeah, he's that's like, the valid oh, point. information. <laughs> Information. Give it to me. Information or Santa scantily clad. Information. Santa scantily clad. Like a redheaded Stark woman or information. Mm. One of the two. Jesus Christ. He's, he's wrestling with it back and forth. He can't decide. Life's hard when you're a little finger. So, um, you know, she makes a mention of the breastplates and the cold and the leather and all that jazz. And uh, come on, suit you. I'm a creep. My name's Littlefinger. Come on, suit you. Uh, oh, see, I like the Littlefinger speech. Won't want. All right, so I'm high on Littlefinger again today. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you hated him a week ago. You're impossible. <laughs> this is like doing a podcast with the Joker. I don't know. I'm a little nervous. I don't know if I'm going to die or be loved from any minute to the next. So um, talk to me about his speech. Listen, I like when Sansa's sassy with him and stuff. He's like, the man suit you and she's all sassy with him. But I think his speech about war wars is a very... I love it because I loved it when I heard it in the preview. Mm -hmm. This idea that there's a war to the north, there's a war to the south, but you need to fight every battle all the time in your mind. Um, the idea that if you think of every single thing that could possibly happen, nothing will ever surprise you. Mm. This to me is advice of someone who has gotten as far as he, is, he has and has done the things he has done in his quest for power because he's lived his life this way. And it's interesting advice. And yeah, Let's let's unpack it a little bit because I'm I'm part of me thinks okay every commander ever has always thought what could ever possibly happen what are the terrible thing like what does it mean but then I think there are a lot of impetuous commanders too like Robert Baratheon was very impetuous it served him well he was a great battle leader but then I think could this be Littlefinger signing his own death warrant with her could by saying this every possible series of events is happening all at once but every battle everywhere always in your mind everyone is your enemy. He's telling her this. He's mm -hmm. standing in front of her saying, for, for to switch the grammar around, he's saying, we're all your enemy or we're not. I mean, that, is, is he putting something in her mind? Is this going to lead to his death? I don't know, but... Maybe, but I do think he's giving her decent advice and I do think that the can, can interruption you unpack it a little, of this conversation 
see everything in your mind at once. Imagine every possibility, yeah, know brand. what's going to happen. Sounds like brand. Right. And then Bran arrives at that point. Sure. Obviously, the irony is not lost, right? Mm, indeed. Um, but but there, there's just something of, you know, there are battles going on here and there and everywhere, but the most important thing is to fight them in your mind. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is great advice. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like the speech. It sounds fucking good. He, he's good at monologuing. Aiden Gillen or whatever his name is. It, it sounds like the, the the very pessimistic advice of expect the worst and you'll never be surprised. Right. Um, which, but said in a really cool way. But said more poetically. And said by a man who has proven he can survive. Right. Despite being a guy who came from nowhere, a guy who's from a small house, who has influenced and whispered in the ears of the most powerful people in Westeros, uh, how has he done this? Right. And him giving the speech, this advice to her, this is him saying, hey, this is what I've done all this time. And look at where I am. With, like you said, somebody who came from nothing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't know. He can he can give a monologue. There you go. Um, and, and on a side note, everyone should watch. Someone posted it in the Game of Thrones Facebook page. Please, someone in the chat, tell me who it was. I'm terrible at remembering things. And it was Aiden Gillen doing a recap of season six of Game of Thrones. It's fantastic. He's really funny. He's super cute in real life when he's not being creepy little finger and you should all watch it. It's nice. really good. I actually missed it. I'll have to see it. It's fantastic. Nice. So Bran returns to Winterfell. Holy shit. He looks like he's, how old did you say? 36. Okay. Mira Reed looks approximately 45. Mira, he's like, he's like, hello, Sansa. This is my mother, Mira Reed. Yeah. <laughs> all I kept thinking. I'm 38. Was, she is 52. When I was talking about how John and Mira couldn't possibly be twins because John's so much older than Mira. And then I saw this episode and I was like, holy shit, Mira is at least 15 years older than John Snow. <laughs> what was I thinking? Uh, cue up the Winterfell music, of course. This is a great meeting. I liked it. I liked, I liked Sansa rushing to him and embracing him on the wagon and him just sort of being... A fucking creepo. Dead behind the eyes, like I said. And this is... This is so fucking sad. I mean, what a sad character Bran is. This kid was pushed out of a window, okay, because Jamie's trying to bang Cersei. Survives that, right? No big deal. He just gets broken legs or crippled. He was so cute and little then, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he goes north of the wall. All his friends die. He's away from his family. He's in the freezing cold, horrible temperatures. He has these terribly traumatic events happen to him. And then, oh boy, what's your prize, Bran? You get to see everything that's happening always and everything that's already happened. Which means, if you've been following the TV show closely, all the terrible shit that always happens all the time. And him having this sight like he does now has already emotionally affected him to the point where he's growing numb to the feeling of it all. And that's sad to me. Uh, it's sad, but he is also a massive asset. If he can get past to, I believe he called them fragments of what he's piecing together and really gain the ability to have lucidity as it relates to these visions, he will be completely and utterly a super powerful character that can provide information beyond what anyone, Littlefinger and Varys, go fuck yourselves. You can never have the insight that Bran has with this green sight, as it were. It's intense, man. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, I guess. It is all the things that you said are true. 
Were you listening or watching, reading chat? No, I was reading the chat and listening about how intense it is because you can see all these things and all this bad shit and he's going to be really useful and really helpful. And I agree with all of, all of those things. Mm-hmm. But Bran is a fucking creep right now. Why? Because he said, <laughs> <laughs> yes. let me say it. Yes. I got it. I, got it. <laughs> I can never be Lord of Winterfell. I can never be Lord of anything. I am the Three-Eyed Raven. I can see everything that has ever happened to everyone. Everything that's happened. Everything that's happening right now fragments i need to learn to see better i need to be ready for when the long night comes the three-eyed raven taught me i am sorry for all that has happened to you okay all that has happened here in our home okay (laughs) Uh, it was beautiful that night you know the one you got raped at that was beautiful. That night, that night, glorious snow. You falling. looked real pretty. You looked radiant, and Reek would agree as he was watching on. I saw that too. This is so meta. He's watching Reek, watching her. It's too weird. This is but creepy anyway, as fuck. And you know what, Brand? Don't say that to Sansa. That's gross. Hey, Brand, do me real a favor. Real creepy. You hey, need a therapist too. Hey, Brand, real quick. You could prove your sight by highlighting something different. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Something a little less traumatic. I can't wait till Theon finds a therapist that he can then refer Bran to so that they can all get happen. their shit together. Um, Bran looks like an old man and a creep. Yeah, yeah that's creepy too. Uh, I was, I've was i never been the biggest Bran person, as you know. Mm-hmm. That's been fairly consistent, I feel, in my Game of Thrones time. Um, I know he's going to be important. I know that he can see everything, so Ned that's Stark's cool and he matters son. and stuff. But Come on. Did you ever love eh. Ned Stark? Yeah. You love Ned Stark. Don't pretend. Uh, of course I love Ned Stark. Who didn't? But I'm just saying, his last son. Yeah. Wow. You're fired. He's just such a creep. Why? Because he's a fucking traumatized weird yeah, little kid. Yeah, he's really says, creepy. You look beautiful that night you were raped? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty weird to say. <laughs> I can't. Like, I'm really creeped Sounds out like, about it. Sounds mm, like, I'll be inside. You cool your jets out here, weirdo. Um, she does tell Bran that he is now the Lord of Winterfell. Mm. Um, someone in the chat says, "Why was she so happy about it?" Bootsy Rosenwick, Rosenwick, mm. um, Rosenweek. I don't know if she was so happy about it. I think she was so excited to see Bran, and then she's like, "Oh, and here's this other thing. Like you're in charge now because you're like John's not in charge anymore. You are. Maybe that's why she was excited. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that just came to me. I like when she says, "I wish John was here," and he says, "Me too. I have a lot to tell him." Called Danny's your aunt. Yeah, called. You're standing amongst your cousins, not your siblings. I don't know. That it was weird. Sansa's reaction to telling him he was Lord of Winterfell was weird. Um, Bran is weird. It's weird. The only thing I don't understand about this whole piece of knowledge is that you can't really substantiate it. That there's nobody alive that can say yes, that that's true. Other than a kid with crazy visions, unless unless he has. Unless by demonstrating he has intimate knowledge of other people, that it validates the claim. Well, he did. He said, Sansa, you look pretty when you got raped. <laughs> but I'm talking about That's the other. I'm talking about the other people. Like, are they gonna are, are they gonna push him in a fucking little red wagon all the way to Dragonstone? And, and he'll like, tell Danny something about yes, her life. Like, yes. I remember you were beautiful tonight. You were raped too. It's so weird. <laughs> that seems to be my thing. Yes. Call Drogo. Remember that? He looked real good. Right, right. I know you loved him later, but. Um, but if Bran knows everything that's ever happened ever and everything that's going to happen, why can't he no, just be everything like, that has happened and everything that is happening? I don't think, but he doesn't know the future. I, I don't, they might get glimpses, but it's, it's not, it's not that easy to say. I think they, they probably do. I think he probably did. 
<sighs> green seer. Uh, Thread Raven was a green seer, a human among the last children of the forest beyond the wall. Under the guise of Thread Raven, he appears in Bran Stark's vision stream. So that's obviously hmm, what's his name there, who played him originally. But yeah, the green sight is something that that's it's fucking magic. It's Game of Thrones magic. It is an ability to perceive the future, past, or contemporary but distant events and dreams. It was one of the talents of the green seers of the children of the forest. Some humans are also born with this ability. Bran Stark experienced a prophetic dream that his father was in the crypts of Winterfell when Eddard Stark was indeed executed at King's Landing. So he got a glimpse into that future. So yeah, there you go. Past, present, future. Glimpses. Dreams. Not necessarily handed to you in a manual of what's going to happen, but something that is useful. So he should start writing his dreams down just in case there's important information about the future. Mm. Dream mm. diary. There you go. So um, I'll stay longer, he tells her. Yeah, and, like, that... and Sansa's like, you're a fucking creep. I've got to go. <laughs> yes. She's like, I'm going to go wash myself. Like, what the fuck? She's like, maybe I should hang out with Littlefinger, who is less creepy than you, Bran. Wow. At this point. Mm-hmm. At least little. At least Littlefinger's like, sorry, Sansa, about how I like married you to that rapist. I- also, the copies of whatever exists are irrelevant if Bran knows a bunch of shit about Littlefinger, too. That's a valid point. Um, where to now? King's Landing, because that's the only place we have left before we move on to our John and Danny and battles. So, goddamn, man. Europe. This is, I like Euron's fucking Super Bowl parade. It's fucking funny. I'm his sorry. Super Bowl parade is just chilling, hanging out with his W. I could see them. They're like, all right, we got to block off fucking Axeman Street. We got to. The floats are going to come down this way. We're going to have, you know, they have to do the whole Super the Bowl boat thing. Parade. Yeah, get the duck boats ready because Euron's going to parade around the town after his big W. I, someone in the chat earlier said something about like Negan and how Negan is like, I'm Walking Dead a showboaty. And this is not Walking Dead spoilers. There's Negan. He's show, he, he showboats. Like he's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm this big guy. I do all this shit. Blah, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I lean way um, back when I I lean talk. way back. I'm super handsome. Um, anyway, you're on not as handsome as Negan, but way better at being a cocky motherfucking bad guy, in my opinion. And Mm -hmm. I, and I am not that out on Negan of the little walking dead I watch. Anyway, he is fucking hilarious in the scene. The way he shit talks Yara when he's like, remember that part where Theon jumped off the boat? (laughs) What a twat. He's, he's a fucking asshole. He was being, I was a little iffy. I thought he was going to be too much. I thought he was. It, it was not going to work with him. Poor man's Ewan McGregor. This episode, I was into Euron. He was he was funny, and he was a good a good villain. Indeed, uh, I like the <laughs> I like the impending doom that we feel as this scene unfolds. It starts off with Euron being funny, uh, doing his thing, getting his accolades, uh, talking shit about Theon, calls him a twat, and then suddenly. We see Ilaria and her daughter, whose name I always forget. Tyan or something. Getting fucking peppered with shit. Just like what happened to Cersei. Right. Um, her name is Tyan. Yep. Um, I was correct. And so you don't have to call her like girl with the boobs or anything. Bad don't pussy worry. I prefer, but okay. Bad pussy, you don't have to call her that. All right. So he's soaking up to W. Ilaria and her daughter start getting peppered with shit. Uh, and Euron's just soaking it up. And they head into the throne room. Uh, who did this? Who rode a horse into into the throne room last time? That would be Tywin Lannister after the Battle of the Blackwater. His horse takes a huge shit outside the throne, outside the Red Keep, and then he just kind of waltzes in and gets named Hand of the King. Uh, so 
Euron kind of doing the same thing here, waltzes into the throne room, uh, and Euron presents his gift. I give you what no other man could give you, justice for your murdered daughter. Alaria spits, of course. Um, I appreciate Alaria's, the fight in her. She's a good actress, too. How she never fucking wavers until she's like, oh my God, my daughter might be dead. She wavered a little at the end, and I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what I liked about it. Was it was real to me. But Very to start, real. she was just like, fuck all of you. I do not care. She's like, I'm going to die. I don't fucking care. Euron only wants one reward. You shall have what your heart desires when the war is won. Cersei being all sultry. Honestly, Cersei, please. What? Just marry the fucking guy. Who cares? She cares. She has to fuck him. Not you. Easy for you to say, by the way. I mean, I don't know. What? I'm just saying you're gonna let him. Throw, you're gonna let him for the realm. You're gonna let him throw one in you for the realm for the people. Like, I had to do it for the people, like Lord Varys for the for the realm. I'll do it for the realm. Mm-hmm. Taking it for the realm. I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So um, I mean, she bangs her brother. Like, yeah, you know, she might as well just bang some rando dude who wants to marry her. So yeah. Cersei, uh. That's her thing. The sons and daughters of Westeros shall defend our country. Uh, talking about how essentially Euron's going to run the navy. Jamie's going to run the army, basically. And uh, Euron gloats some more. Asks Jamie for some sex advice. This is fucking fantastic. I'm sorry. It's fucking fantastic. The part where he cuts him off. No, no, no. We'll talk later. As if implying Jamie was going to give him the advice yes. is even more of a dig, which I appreciated. I, I love it. I love all the memes. I love that. Like, I go into work and, like, everyone knows I watch Game of Thrones, and this is the first thing everybody says, Matt talked about. Like, mm-hmm. hey, that thing Euron said is about, that was funny about Cersei, huh? Right. I'm like, oh my God. It's, it's so funny. The, the whole, it's just, he's so gross, and he's trying so yeah. hard to needle at Jamie. He obviously knows Cersei's banging Jamie, and I, I just love the way he, he, like, needles at him. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, there, there was somebody who said, uh, there was a joke floating around on, on Reddit about, um, it said something like Jamie, it was like Jamie is, and then when he opened it, it said a Targaryen because he has yet to catch on fire after getting burned all episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tough one for Jamie. <laughs> he gets burned by Euron, burned by Elena, and he's, he's yet to catch on fire. I thought that was a good joke. This is a bad episode for Jamie, <laughs> except he got to bang Cersei, like, I guess, and it was like a rom-com and we'll get there because. It was gross, but... A rom-com, yeah. That's how I felt. I was like, am I watching a fucking romance novel? I don't want to see this shit. So uh, later, we go below the Red Keep into the dungeons. Oh, boy. Cersei gets her moment, doesn't she? Yeah, and I just have to say something to the chat. I made a mistake when I was watching this episode and right after. My mistake was that I thought Alari was in my Deadpool this season, and I was thrilled when she was captured. I've been thinking this for two weeks straight. That she was on my Deadpool and mm. I was going to get a death. Not so much. I got through this scene and I was basically crying. I've never been sadder that <laughs> someone's going to be tortured for murdering children. I'm like, kill the fucking bitch. Then uh, Senator Ch- Tamulus in the chat pointed out to me that Alaria is actually not on my Deadpool this season. That was last season. Now I'm thrilled about her torture and suffering. I think it's fantastic. Damn. Powerful. Not on my Deadpool. Yes. Yeah. I mean, ugh. Game of Thrones is a bloody fucking mess. Anyways, we can describe the scene now. I just wanted to no, no, bring that good. to the listeners' attention. I know they were concerned about if she was in my Deadpool or not. And the answer is, she is not. She can live forever, and I will be fine with that. I was there the day Sir Gregor crushed your lover's head. Oh, 
so good. This is actually a fantastic evil speech from Cersei. This is such a good bad guy shit. It's mm-hmm. such good bad guy shit. Um, he, he, she's recalling Ilaria's scream and how that was true love to her. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> Compl- uh, you know, uh, something about crushing over in skull. Uh, when my daughter was taken from me, well, you can't imagine how it feels. I never got to have a mother. No shit. Uh, Marcella did. You took her from me. Why did you do that? I like that blunt question because there's right. no fucking answer. Why did you poison my daughter? Right. Why? You also murdered Tristan. Fucking gave him a pike in the face. Remember that shit on the boat? <laughs> Through his mouth. The kid she was hanging out with, the daughter, Marcella, was... Uh, was oh, yeah. Yeah. Trist- Tristan was his name or something? But he was... That's so fucked up because he was Dornish. Right. God, she wanted she that. She wanted her. Bad shit. I know. She wanted her fucking revenge. She loved Oberyn so much. Mm-hmm. And Oberyn would not, in my opinion, we've talked about ever, this before. Never, nope. would never approve anything. Never, of never, never. He what was his disgusted. quote? We do not torture little girls in Dorne. He, he would, fucking said those are his words. He would have been so, so upset to see what Alaria became after mm-hmm. he died because mm-hmm. that goes against everything he believes in, and he is a fantastic human being. R.I.P. Miss him every day. We do not torture little girls in Dorne. Heart, heart, heart. So anyway, uh, that was, uh, that was, uh, I miss you, Oberyn. So, um, Me too. why did you do that? I like that blunt question. And then she just says, it doesn't matter now. Uh, Cersei compliments uh, the perfect Dornish beauty. I imagine she's your favorite. She is super cute, especially such a, such with her a little, girl. and she used to have super short hair, right? Mm-hmm. She's cuter with her hair longer. And I say this as someone who used to have short hair, and mm-hmm. I get mad when people say that about me, but she is cuter with longer hair. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she's really, really cute. Yeah. Um, and then Alari tries to actually speak through the gag. And this is this is really good um, acting. Uh, acting. I, I, I really, I, I've always, lo- this woman was in Rome, which I've talked fondly about before. Her name is Indira Varma. I was just going to say, what is her And name? she is fucking great. Uh, in the in this horrific nightmare scene, I thought she just did a really good job here. Those moments where her resolve starts to to mm-hmm. wear away, and she starts to try to speak through the gag is is just the ultimate torture to me. Yeah, she loves her daughter. You chose to murder my daughter. Do you feel powerful now? Because hmm. she's like, you must have felt powerful at the time, and she did that. Go back and watch that fucking arrogant. Face, was, drink that oh antidote as Jamie watches Marcella die on the boat, right? She, she was a real asshole in that. Uh, it's so fucking brutal. This show is brutal. <laughs> Fuck. She she was very, very fresh. Uh, all right. So Cersei tells Laria, the thought of this lovely face cracking open like a duck egg. Because she was like, oh, I was going to have Sir Gregor crush her head. Maybe not. And then she kisses, she kisses Tyann. Right. And at this point, there's this realization and Tan says, Mama, and this this realization again of in everyone watching what happens when this episode know. goes, thank God, because what the fuck's with that dumb lipstick? It looks so out of character. That oh, bright that she was red. wearing it. I was like, See, "What is she wearing?" I guess that this says something about me is like not being girly at all because <laughs> I never for a second did I notice like, "Hey, Cersei's got some weird lipstick on." I was just like, "Hey, it's just Cersei. She's just being a bitch." Um, <laughs> I never once. This is why I I don't wear makeup because I don't I didn't even notice she was wearing fucking so lipstick. funny right I appreciate that you noticed it though Kyburn is the cleverest man I know they talk about uh, death is assured Kyburn's such a creep 
Um, and then Cersei says the following that I had to copy down because it is probably the most horrific thing one could imagine. Mm-hmm. And that's the following. Your daughter will die here in this cell. You will be here when she does. You will be here the rest of your days. You will live to watch your daughter rot, to watch her face collapse to bone and dusts, all the while contemplating the choices you made. Make sure the guards change the torches every few hours. I don't want her to miss a thing. Yeesh. The only thing worse would have been starving the daughter to death and making Cersei watch. Well, we don't know how painful and how long this poison will last. It's true. It's true. But, but then if it's the same one with Marcella, she died fairly quickly. Depends on the constitution, your grace. I don't know what that means, sir. <laughs> your health. How hardy you are. I mean, she seems pretty healthy. So it might take longer is the point. And Marcella wasn't healthy? No. That Dornish bread wasn't good. She had a reaction to it, I think. Uh, that and the poison. But um, anyway, later Cersei goes to give Jamie her horny murder yeah, what DJ. A fucking gross creep. I'm like, Cersei is all hot and bothered after murder and bangs Jamie. That's what my notes say. Oh, shit. Like, Cersei, what is wrong with you? You are literally the grossest person I've ever known. This is gross. And it was all, like, romantic and shit, and they wake up in bed together like a rom-com. And I was like, this is my nightmare, because you know how I feel about movies that end with people kissing. It literally is my worst fucking nightmare. Here's what happens in the the alternate version of this movie. They wake up the next morning. And um, Cersei rolls over and hands Jamie the pregnancy test, which of course is positive. And she's like, he's like, but I thought you only blew me. And she's like, no, we did it. And he's like, I'm, I'm happy, but what am I going to do? I've only got one hand. Where am I going to work? How am I going to provide? Right. And he's having all this, this becomes a whole side story. But um, anyway, yeah, she's, she's all kinds of like murder victory horned up. They have a literal like, and I'm sorry because they're they're both very good looking people, and and they are disgusting to me as a couple. Like, I do not, I am not. What if they into were them. siblings? I still would not be into that shit. They are gross. You would be into the murder beach? No, not the murder beach. Not into the dead Joffrey beach. <laughs> not into any of those you know, beaches. Wait, okay. Fucking near your dead son is weird. Fucking your sister near your dead son is weird. <laughs> Well, God damn it. <laughs> I don't want to be That's normal. wrong. I don't want to be right. Oh, boy. Um, they're gross. This was gross. I was not into this. <laughs> it was too romantic in the morning when they were waking up. I, I literally, like, my skin crawled. Mm. I was so grossed out by it. Um, yeah. And Cersei's like, I just don't care if everybody knows that we're banging. Jamie's like, I'm wearing my extra sexy black underclothes today, and just relaxing here and, and he, he tries to refuse her advance probably because you know he's like you just murdered fucking people and also your and great is gonna put his finger in your butts <laughs> <laughs> that is not a turn just on a finger if you're lucky uh so here's the deal <laughs> i think about so we know we're, we're we we think we know we're we're using confirmation bias to assume we know what cersei's thinking here but let's let's pretend <laughs> for a fucking second what <laughs> He's thinking. <laughs> so Jamie knows what just happened with Euron. He knows where Cersei that she he knows Cersei and Kyburn was just chilling in the dungeon at the Red Keep. With the Sand Snakes. With the Sand Snakes, her enemy. And then she runs in all rosy cheeked and just soaked. And Jamie's like, oh. Jamie's like, oh Christ. No wonder he tries to refuse her. But then he does it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, no, I haven't showered. Don't oh well. Oh my God. It is. Oh, well. They are. 
I can't. I'm sorry. Mm. There is nothing romantic or cute about their love story. It is so gross. But I can't. Every time I think about them waking up in bed together with like the sun shining like a fucking rom-com, I want to die. It is so bad. It's, it, oh my God, my skin is crawling. I can't. They're gross. I can't wait until he murders her, hopefully this season. I literally can't wait. <laughs> but our father will never approve. Neither will mine. Oh, it's the same one. <laughs> Laugh track. There are so many fantastic oh, incest what? jokes for this rom-com. Oh boy. This would be a good show. We should make this happen. All right. What do you call it? Brother, lover, <laughs> <laughs> lover, brother, like, like a lifetime lover, movie. Brother, like no. Oh my god, it's like that lifetime movie. There's literally a lifetime movie called My Stepson, My Lover. This would legit be called My Brother, My Lover, Father to My Children. There you go. And nephews. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> what the fuck? Wow. So um, <laughs> I like how we got. I like the cult of Cersei here. She's like, you will all get this shitty crop cut. Yeah, they all have the same hair. I was wondering, is it just that girl? But I'm like, no. That there's a reason why that girl has the same haircut as is Cersei. They're dressed in sharp, though. Yeah, in the black and they're the dressed in sharp. I give them that. <clears throat> well, so uh, she sells her visit from Bravos has arrived, and then we have this meeting with a man from Bravos. Well, yeah, this, this was is... the only part. Of, this was the worst part of the episode for me. Bored. It was important though. Don't care. Thanks. Okay. Ugh. Sounds awful. All right, I'm going to talk about it. So right. give me a second here. Um, so I'll talk to myself while you sit there. Right. Read chat or something. I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, I'm probably going to read the chat. But this is important in that the Iron Bank, We it's important that we haven't forgotten about this that was discussed so long ago. The last king or queen that met with the Iron Bank didn't live. They died. That would be Stannis. Um, and I think it's important to note that this big victory over the Tyrells at Highgarden is going to be how they pay their fucking debts because otherwise they're screwed. And I don't know if we're hinting at, okay, Bravos will get rid of you if you're not careful. But I like this stuff. I like this back and forth with Cersei. I like her. I like her showing that she's confident. The Iron Bank wants its gold back. Uh, he's concerned at the expense of war. Uh, your wealthiest allies, the Tyrells, are now enemies. Well, don't worry, buddy, because we're about to sack their ass and take their money. Uh, the Ironback likes to back winners, obviously. They talk Euron, they're narrow sea, um, and his concerns are the dragons. Cersei tells him they're not as involved as you think. They discuss Danny, something about the Iron Bank investing in the slave trade, which I didn't quite understand. I don't know much about the Iron Bank's interest in the slave trade in Essos, but uh, it does come up. And then um, I think Cersei's best line here is, how do bankers fare with revolutionaries? It's a fair point. The man smiles and says, your father's daughter indeed. But don't worry, Mr. Iron Bank Man, you're going to get your money paid back um, from the coffers at the Tyrell Army or, or not. I don't know what's going to happen with that, but this lingering massive Iron Bank, which is stronger than, and I quote from, I believe, the Ice and Fire Wikipedia, stronger than all houses combined, is not to be ignored. So, there you have it. Shall we continue? There we have it. Um, you got nothing to say about that, honestly? The bank wants their money. <laughs> okay. Moving Cersei along. wants a loan. Um, she should call Sally May. They could probably help her, and then she'll be in debt for the rest of her life like me. Okay. I, I hear they're terrible. Um, um, all right, so let's move along. Shall all we, we have left is the dragon stone into the battle situation, correct? Let's do it. All right, 
Let's kick this baby off. Holy shit. They're actually starting the episode with Jon Snow arriving at Dragonstone. What is this world? Yeah, that was Where's awesome. my cliffhanger for seven episodes like other shows would do? I'm confused. Not talking about any shows in particular, The Walking Dead, but mm. lots of shows. Mm. Awesome. This is so good. This was, uh, I didn't expect them to go right into it. And I'm, and I'm very pleased that they did. Uh, beach, beach meeting. Uh, by the way, what's with the Dothraki with their brandished Kopesh blades? I don't understand what that means. Goofballs. That's the sword they have. That's what it's called? Kopesh. How yeah. do you know? Because I just know. You asked me this last time. I don't know what a ballista is. I don't know what a Kopesh is. I, don't I already know. forgot about the ballista. Oh, well, there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm like, hey, guys, chill. For sure, chill. Or I'm going to drown you in this ocean that you're so afraid of. But um, nice smile from John. Uh, when he sees Tyrion, that's His awesome. Bro. I love this. I love this meeting. Tyrion, They're cute together the whole time. Tyrion, of course, Sodavos, ah, the Onion Knight. He knows who he is because, of course, Tyrion is very well read. Uh, Missandei asks for the weapons, so that was interesting. And then uh, some fucking around. Some jerk off gives John the Manson lamps, the psycho peepers, trying to intimidate him. He's just staring at him. Who was it? Is that Dothraki One of the Dothraki guy? guys. Yeah, yeah. they. they they don't even have to try to do that. That's just their normal look. <laughs> they have resting bitch face. They have resting bitch face like you've never seen. <laughs> well, John will chop his head off, and I hope he does for his insolent behavior. I mean, I think the Dothraki <clears throat> are probably going to help him, so he probably shouldn't. All right. Just saying. Hey, by the way, Dothraki are going to love fighting in the cold. Like It's going to be their favorite thing to do. They're going to have to put a shirt on, which would mm. be weird. They're not used to that. It's like when Indianapolis so. would play in New England. It was my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> it's like a freeze bitch. Sure, we're like when they're like, hey, the Super Bowl is going to be in New York. And people were like, no. Too cold. No, yeah, it's so true. cold. All right. So um, some jerk off gives John the Manson lamps. And then Davo starts talking to Masande about palm trees and fucking butterflies. This guy. He's being all, all sweet and stuff. Masande's like, yeah, fuck you. And she smiles. She was court, courtly. Here? She's thinking about Grey Worm. She's got other things on her mind. She does, and I feel bad for her. Her lover's at war. Her lover is at war. Her lover's at war. It's a sad world we mm -hmm. live in. She misses old Colonel Angus. Oh so, my God. Uh, well, bam! Come on. Come on. Uh, There's a layup. You bounced past it to me in the paint. What do you want me to do? Huh? Now take that shot. All right, so this place has changed. Davos tells John, I love that. <clears throat> it's It lacks... All the fucking bizarro trinkets and weirdo red magic from Melisandre oh that God. cleaned out all her fucking incense and shit and weird skull trophies that she probably has and leech pits. Ew. She's a weirdo. Yeah, leech pits. That's She's a weirdo. Uh, to Tyrion makes a joke about Sansa missing Tyrion. Uh, he calls her smarter than she lets on. John makes a joke about her letting on now. Which, which was I funny. Really appreciated. I laughed out loud. Uh, this is just awesome. I love it. I love that we see that this relationship that was started so long ago when they decided to take a trip to the fucking wall together is paying off now. This is the kind of shit that Game of Thrones does well. They make you wait for these payoffs. They make you wait for Danny and John to ever interact. They make you wait how long for Bran to come back and tell Sansa he was there when she got raped, right? Oh my God, please. They make you wait for all these crazy things that you never think are going to... Tyrion talking to Danny. What the hell? Sam talking to Jorah. But what? they come and it's like so exciting when these moments happen. Absolutely. You're like, he, this is this thing I never thought, like these characters who I never expected to interact. Sam and Jorah. Uh, just John and Tyrion again. John and Danny. Davos and, and Masandi. Like, it, it's just so... We know we love these characters so intimately and it's so weird to think that they don't know each other. Right. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. 
I like it a lot. It's awesome. Like, I'm sorry, Danny doesn't immediately know that John is truthful and a kind emo young man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that plays into the dialogue here. Uh, you know, they chat about wanting to hear each other's tales, and Tyrion tells John that he would have advised him against coming south. Stark yes. men don't fare well when they travel south. I'm not a Stark. And then screeching fucking dragon overhead. Little on the nose, but uh, nothing on. The- I'll let it. I'll let it fly. It was cool. I liked it. It was cute because they were terrified. Like Davos yeah, and John's reaction was fantastic. Makes sense. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, they hit the deck. Of course, Tyrion helps him up. All three dragons fly around the castle, and, and John just looks up in awe. They're like, "Hello, hello, where then, are your cousins?" And then up on the hill, we see fucking old Melisandre just chilling, and yeah. uh, she has a very interesting and creepy talk with Varys. Yeah, Melisandre is something I really like in this conversation. Other than the things she says to Varys at the I end, I bet I can. I bet I know exactly what you're going to say. Okay. What? The way she highlights terrible mistakes. Yes. Yep, I knew it. I thought that that was very much out of character for her. She has always said, mm-hmm. oh, I do things for the Lord of Light. I do what he tells me. Mm-hmm. If I do something, it's because of him. Everything's for a reason, essentially. And that's all she said for however many seasons we have known her. And when she's in this moment with Varys, and she says, we didn't part on good terms because of mistakes, terrible mistakes that she made. That, to me, was a real moment of growth in her character, someone whom I hate due to the fact that she made them burn Shireen alive, just like I hate Stannis and Stannis' wife and everybody who was there. Um, I like that a lot. That, that to me, was... Um, in, in the look on her face and the actress's way that she, she played it, you could tell she felt ashamed by what she had done and that it was emotionally taxing on her. And I appreciated that. Carice Van Houten, I think is how you say H O U T E. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. She's great. Very pretty. Great actress. Super pretty. Um, even prettier as not the red woman, which is kind of weird to say. Yeah. You mean when she's the old hag, she's prettier? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> if so, I'm concerned. Outside of the character, all the all the uh, wacky red shit. Um, but here's what I do want to say. The you it's funny when we talk when when you podcast about a show you have a tendency to overthink the show and that's pretty normal when you want to talk about it and you want to look for things to talk about when you watch a scene. And that has never been more true than in a show like Game of Thrones because I posted something on on my Facebook and I was like, oh, Davos versus Melisandre tonight at 10. And they never even interacted. And that's just a, that, mm-hmm. me posting that is a product of overthinking a TV show, which I which I tend to do and I think a lot of podcasters do. And that's, why would I ever assume that Melisandre would want to stand and confront a man who already said he's going to kill her? Why would she just not get the fuck out of there like a normal person? And it's because I'm not ascribing normal behavior, which makes sense to a woman who burned a child alive. I'm not ascribing normal behavior to somebody like Melisandre. And that's just a perfect example of, ooh, what's going to happen when they meet? She's like, no, our meeting wasn't... She was so normal. Right? She was like, yeah, right. she was we, like, no, uh, I don't think it's a good idea. We fucked up. Not going to meet him. I'm going to go do what I need to do. But then she gets real creepy because Lord Varys really puts on to her. And he's like, good, don't return. You shouldn't. It's not safe for you here. Right. And she says, she's not afraid of anyone, by the way. No. Not, never has been. Not intimidated by this guy at all. And she says, I will return here one last time. I have to die in this country just like you. Right. Never seen Varys shaken ever. This is what was so fantastic about this. This was 
awesome. He's never, Varys never, he was just threatened by, challenged openly by Daenerys. And he held his ground and bit back. And when, whenever Melisandre says this, he stops for a moment, which shows you that Lord Varys might believe in some of the wacky things out there that are unexplained in this religion and this magic. Because when she levels that on him, she has no reason to say that to him. Melisandre is not a liar. She might misinterpret what she believes the Lord is telling her to do, obviously. That might lead to terrible things, crimes, obviously. And uh, she's a fucking horrible murderer of children, or a child at least, obviously. But she doesn't strike me as somebody who's fond of lying. Right. And people in the chat are saying how the other red woman, Kinvara, whatever her name was, Kinvara, also yes. kind of um, unsettled Varys. And I think it's That's something right. about this That's religion. Right. Right about and there, there's something in this religion in what they believe that he believes in. It, it, but this specific quote, I have to die in this strange country just like you. Mm. This means something to Varys. He knows this. This isn't like new knowledge she's imparting on him. Him being unsettled comes from the fact that she knows that about him, I think. It's wild. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like she's not telling him something he doesn't know. Like, oh my God, shit, she's saying I have to die here. I feel like for some reason, he already knows this and he's unsettled by the fact that she knows this about him. That is super fascinating. Because to me, Varys has always known everything, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. something he prides himself on. In my read of it was always... He was unsettled in a way, not like he was shocked that Melisandre was saying, like, you have to die here, but that maybe he knew that about himself, and, and that's something knows. he's known, and he's surprised that someone else knows that mm. about him. I could be totally wrong, but I don't know. Well, it's important to remember that Lord Varys was born at Lys, which is, of course, Lys the Lovely, and that's where, that's a city-state in one of the free cities, so he is from Essos. He is not from Westeros originally. Um, which is kind of neat. So he's he's kind of a foreigner, right? Yeah, he is. So technically. he has such a mysterious and enigmatic origin that not many people we, we don't know a ton about it, right? I mean, they I haven't watched really... his backstory episode. Yeah, that, that yeah. short movie they put out when they're trying to make money when the show ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be on board for the Varus story. Yeah, it's uh, Carlos in the chat says Varus becomes a frightened child near the Red Woman. Absolutely, Red Women. Says. So, yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's uh, which is why I think he knows this prophecy and that being around them is what unsettles him and, a and, little bit. And Misho reminds us that Varus hates magic because the priests castrated him. That is true. It's true. Very valid point. Yep. I would hate magic too in that scenario. Yeah. So, good stuff, man. I, uh, I, it's, it was, I love seeing Varus unsettled. It's mm-hmm. so. It's so infrequent. Out of his character. And it was such a massive bomb drop to say, I have to die in this strange country just like you. Jesus, man. What's that mean? Like, ooh, this is interesting. This is more Melisandre shit now. I'm 100% taking both of them in my Deadpool next year if they're not dead at the end of the season. I just want to throw that out there, Gene, if you want to pick your number one pick very well. That's a good call. I better note this. one of these fuckers. I better note this for next season. So later in the throne room, John and Danny actually meet again in a more formal capacity. My notes say, holy fuck, Danny and John are actually meeting in all caps. Yes. If anyone was wondering. Well, I should like publish my notes one day so people are like, what the fuck is this shit? You think people Same. would be super interested in reading your notes? Yeah, they're fascinating. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to knock you down a peg. All right. So, uh, Miss Sandy has become the best hype man ever. Miss Sandy. Oh my God. This is fantastic. I love the utter confidence she says all of this Danny shit with. 
it's not just you know how she used to be timid and yeah you know now she's grown very confident and we see her just so thrilled to give this mouthful that is Daenerys Targaryen and all of her fucking shit. Daenerys of the House Targaryen, the first of her name, the Unburnt, Queen of the Andals, the something of the first men, Queen of Marine, Khaleesi of the Great Grassy, Protector of the Realm, Lady Regent of the Seven Kingdoms, Break of Chains, and the Mother of Dragons. Jeez. According to when I Googled Danny full name. There you go. This the best part about this entire thing is fucking Davos's response is <laughs> this is literally Jon laugh Snow. out loud funny. Long pause. Long pause. And then Jon's King of like, the North. can you kind of give me something? Uh, King of the North. <laughs> this is so good. Fantastic. But, I love it. But I like this. I like this discussion. I like this verbal fencing. I enjoyed it. I like that. Uh, I like that Davos in essence, demands respect. Yeah, he's like, oh, sorry, you might not have heard because I have a bad accent, but I said king of the yeah. north and you called him a lord. Davos, that was man. fantastic. He learned that shit from Stannis for sure. I love that he was just, he's like, oh, pardon me, I have a flea bottom accent, but you called him lord and I actually said king of the north. Did you mishear me? Did you think I said lord of the north? Because right. I didn't. I right. said king. <laughs> Davos. The fucking best. The reaction shots of Tyrion are so classic. He's like, ooh. He's like, yikes. Guy <laughs> talks so good about this guy. Uh, and whenever she just says, in Davos wants respect, Danny says, well, if you're familiar with Torrin Stark, he swore an oath uh, in perpetuity. And she's being all glib. And what's oh. that mean? Like, oh, God, you're acting like, you're acting like fucking a crime boss. Yeah, she was like super annoying. Like, tell her what that fucking means. You know what I mean? Tell him what happens to our enemies, yeah, Tyrion. Right, Jimmy. And then the other guy's like, he's going to kill you. He's going to whack you. It's like, fucking, don't, don't be like that. But I guess, whatever. She's a queen. She's going to start acting like. Yeah, I don't know. John's a king and he's just acting like the same emo dude he's always been. That's right, man. You know Not what? Let it go to his head. That leadership. That's right. Unlike Euron. Unlike <laughs> with his victory parade. And Sounds his, like I'm a king, but I still burn. And his new Greyjoy sneaker line. But I still brood. He still broods. And he's the champ at it, according to Tyrion. So I assume you're here to bend the knee. I am not. Uh, John smirks at the whole uh, breaking faith, uh, reminds her what her father did. She jumps in. Here's something Danny actually does that I appreciate. She jumps in and does refer to her father as evil and then asks John's forgiveness. That's an olive branch here. Yes, 100%. Don't judge your daughter by the sins of her father, right? Which I looked at you and I said, then don't. I said it before i said then what the fuck does this oath matter if he didn't make it exactly and then that's exactly what happens here that was me self-congratulating myself oh dean you're so smart i was flating myself Uh, (laughs) don't judge your daughter by the sins of her father goes on about their alliances of old danny says she's the last targaryen yeah okay uh together (laughs) surprise together we will wait till they meet bran stark danny bran's gonna get his ass thrown out another window hundred percent. So thank God there's no moon door around. I know. And then there's no Hodor to fucking drag him around. But together we will save together we will save this country. A long pause. You're right. You're not guilty of your father's crimes. I'm not beholden to my ancestors' vows. I need your help and you need mine. And that is a ballsy thing to say to a chick with ten thousand unsullied, whatever it is, and three dragons. I just want to make a comment. Misho Pisho in the chat says, 
that Danny wants to honor, she wants people to honor their father's oaths, but to forget her father's role in breaking those oaths. Indeed. And that's exactly the problem is that she is contradicting everything that she's saying. She's like, sorry for my father, you did all shitty stuff, but what your fathers did is what you need to swear by. Mm-hmm. She, she's, you know, she's she, contradicting herself. Yeah, we're, we're dealing with two people who don't know each other and they want things from each other. And they're both, they both feel they have this legitimate claim on something and it's important that they work the shit out. And I think they do a good job. I think, I think this is a really well-orchestrated sequence between them and then how they kind of come to an agreement and Danny offers him something. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, but, but not until the end. First, she makes him a prisoner and makes him go take a bath, which is <laughs> well, let's continue. kind of weird. Shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. For his royal... I will draw you a bath. I'll draw you a bath for you later for your royal boning. Yeah, no, because <laughs> they are related. That is his aunt. Uh, no royal boning. They don't know that. So not- That would be such an awkward reveal later when they're like, Fuck, we shouldn't have banged. So, um, and then Cersei and Jamie are like, let's give no, you it's some. Fine. Ad- it's just fine. Let's give you some advice on how to manage this relationship. You can bang all you want. People are going to call you monsters. All right. So, join this Facebook group. <laughs> oh my God. And Cersei and Danny become best friends because they're in a Facebook group for like incest lovers. <laughs> like, you know, on Facebook, there's like mom groups and stuff, and they all get together and like talk about shit. Like, mm-hmm. what if Cersei and Danny just one day. Danny makes a post looking for support. Cersei comments. <gasps> All of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. This is beautiful. It is beautiful. You should write it. All right. So <laughs> Danny wonders why she's going to need their help. Not to defeat Cersei, Davos says. But, and that's when John makes the connection because he does know military strategy. You haven't stormed King's Landing. Why not? You don't want to kill innocent people. This means you're better than Cersei. And then John tells her the big news. We are children. Everyone you know is going to die. The dead are our enemy. The army of the dead is on the march. And Tyrion's like, um, uh-oh, I didn't get the intel on this. He's starting to get that look on, like Sansa yeah. gets when John just brings shit up. It, and it's like <laughs> this moment where Danny's like, I thought you said you liked him. And yeah. Tyrion's like, I, I do. I do. But... Still, uh, if we squabble among ourselves, we are finished. And that's when Danny says, I was born. The, no, this no, 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 quote no. that we can finally get rid of. I was born, but fled before his assassins could find her. She's Stewie Griffin. Oh, that's the first I was born. She's really into talking about how she was born. Yeah, she was. She asks if Ned Stark knew about the plot. We know that he was against it. If you don't remember, go back and watch it. Ned Stark was an angel. So many men men have tried to kill me. I don't remember all their names. I have been sold, shamed, betrayed, raped, defiled. Do you know what kept me standing? Faith, not in God's myths or legends, in myself. Which is a wonderful, empowering speech. Yeah. Until she's like, she refers to herself in the like third lunch. person and does the stupid I was born to roll line, which she makes me want to kill myself. She herself in the third person, which means she's going to start a sneaker line. Because let me tell you, at first, when she's like, hey, no one got me through this all, me. I, be- I didn't believe in faith. I believed in myself. And I was like, that's right. Me too. I believe in myself. And I felt really good about myself. And then she was like, Daenerys Stormborn is who I believed yeah. in. I'm like, no, no, wait, pause, pause. Targaryen. It's it's not like I go through my life and I'm like, I believe in myself. I believe in Jessica Vizina. <laughs> I knew that. I you know I knew if we were going to come back in the fourth quarter that Daenerys Stormborn was going to have to really, you know, Daenerys Targaryen was going to have to come in and make plays. And you know, I just I put the team on my back. I put the earth on my back, and uh, now we're champs. There you I, go. I feel I'm like... the shit. She says I was born to rule again born to rule yeah that this quote which we've seen every single preview 
that Dean makes fun of all the time. I am so glad we got this out of the way because let's move on from this idiotic like this is childish this is like how old are you danny come on they killed it because they put it in the preview and we've heard it so many fucking oh god it's been terrible all right let's continue he'll be ruling over a graveyard if we don't defeat the night king john says you can't expect us to halt hostilities to fight whatever you saw beyond the wall says Tyrion. then davo steps in and says all those hard sons of bitches chose him as their leader. If we don't bound together, we will die. And then it doesn't matter which skeleton sits the Iron Throne. Mm-hmm. And that's when Tyrion's like, good, then just pledge already. And John is so beautiful here. Why would so I do beautiful. that? I mean, no offense, Your Grace, but I don't know you. Your claim to the throne rests entirely on your father's name, and my own father fought to overthrow the Mad King. The Lords of the North trust me to rule them. And that's when Danny's like, cool, so you're a rebel. Always with the technicalities, Danny. And that's when um, that gets broken up by Varys' news of Euron's victory in the Narrow Sea and, of course, the destruction of the Grey Joy fleet that was loyal to Cersei. I mean, to uh, to Danny. Mm-hmm. So Danny's like, I must end the meeting. Go ba- bathe yourself, you barbarian. And that's when John says, am I your prisoner? Not yet. And then, uh, of course, the news comes out. And uh, bad news for Danny. Danny... Desperately needs Jorah Mormont. But she doesn't want to let on, so she's going to send John to go have a bath, just like you would do to your nephew if they were misbehaving. <laughs> They're really? already falling into those roles. You go take a bath and go to bed. Never in my <laughs> life has my aunt ever told me, I can't believe you did that. I'm very ashamed of you. You should take a bath now. Unless, of course, <laughs> I was rolling around in a pile of pig shit, which wasn't the case. So I don't know what kind of torture is punishment He's telling someone to take a bath, you weirdo. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what kind of childhood you have. Did your aunt tell you to take a bath when you were naughty? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. No, because I'm just thinking of the idea, like, you go take a bath and go to bed. <laughs> Is that what they say? Funny? No, they say no supper off to bed. Not take a bath and go to bed. What the fuck? All right. Maybe that's like, I don't know. It's nothing. It's in your crazy mind, I'm afraid. That would be like punishment for like a dog. Like you take a bath and go to bed. I guess not for a human. So anyway, um, later when they're outside, uh, and again, we, we haven't really talked about the amazing exterior shots of Dragonstone. It's pretty. The cliffs, the ocean, the uh, the shoreline. It's it's amazing. It looks so good. Uh, but anyway, Tyrion tells John uh, that he's a better brooder. Uh, John cuts to the chase. I'm a prisoner on this island. And that's when John says he doesn't want to play word games. I can't believe they don't feel this urgency. You're not feeling the urgency. And Taryn's like, but I believe you. And that's when John refers to, remember when you called them gum, uh, gumpkins and snarks. And that's when he says, I trust the eyes of an honest man more than what everyone knows. So Tyrion, I believe Tyrion does trust John. But, I agree. But Tyrion's trust in John is not going to be enough to convince Danny. I agree. It's just not going to be. Give her something. Give her something, you know, give her some kind of proof. Like, how is he going to do that? Because until you do, it's going to be hard. Too bad they didn't have, you know, cell phones and they could take a selfie with the Night King and then she would know. It's true. Or even a Polaroid camera from a distance. You think the self, do you think the Night King takes a selfie with his arms, arms crossed? I think he probably does. Well, I think he holds them Shin. out like this. Oh, that's true. Come at me, Snow. Like he, yeah. <laughs> I think he does come at me, Snow, every he time he takes the selfie. Snow. All right. So, um. So uh, John says he can't help 
prepare the people from here he'd like to leave. John laments about being a northern fool. And that's when Tyrion says, sometimes there is more to foreign invaders and northern fools than meet the eye. In other words... Wait, did we talk about the part about the brooding? Yeah, it's fine. We went past that a while ago. Oh. So let me talk about this. So sometimes there's more to foreign invaders and northern fools than meets the eye. And that's important because Tyrion's saying, there's more to you than meets the eye. There's more to her than meets the eye. Let's continue this discussion. Let's continue to figure something out. Danny protects people from monsters. He urges John to ask those who are with her. He's essentially saying, ask, go ahead. He convinced these people, to, she convinced them to come here of all places, right? And Tyrion says, she will not fight a war based on the word of a man she doesn't know after one meeting. It's, Which is reasonable. And it is. It's ultimately reasonable. I, when I tease Danny in these scenes, I want to make it clear what John is asking her and what, what her reservations are, are 100% reasonable. And he says, and Tyrion says, it's not reasonable to ask her to do this. Do you have anything reasonable to ask her? Hard cut to the dragon glass discussion between Tyrion and Danny after Tyrion prompts John to say, this is what we should try to do. And, um, and he's like, listen, it's a potential ally. We don't need it. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant, right? It, it, it's it's an ally you could win in, in, in a resource you don't care about and didn't even know was here. Give him something. Right. Help. Show something. Make a connection here. And I think this is good that Tyrion brokered this agreement. You know, Tyrion's military ideas have not been sound, but his counsel as it relates to matters of court has been sound. And that's what Tyrion's strengths are. Great shit. I just, yeah. there's so much here. There's so much good stuff here. And that's why I, I just really appreciated this, this discussion between these two. I agree. And, and I love this thing that we go back to of children are not their fathers, mm -hmm. which Tyrion relates to, Danny relates to, John relates to. Sure. L little does he know his father's not Ned Stark. But anyway, mm. um, th this bond between them all, how they're trying to do better then. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That, um, you know. I'm glad you brought up that thematic piece that exists in this episode because if the prophecy, if if Rhaegar Targaryen is his dad, which I think we're going to go ahead and just say Rhaegar Targaryen is his dad. 100% they told us that, basically. And this goes back to something, and I think John Marginson posted this in Facebook. Rhaegar Targaryen was good at killing but didn't like it. He liked to sing. Yes. And John's about to say, I don't like what I'm good at. What if in one episode we see John just like singing in the shower while he's taking the tub that Danny drew for him? Are we gonna then know for sure? <laughs> I've tasted the Danish man's wife. No, he wouldn't sing that song. He would never sing that song. He'll sing the wildling song that he sings. There you, to go. there you go. Whatever weird shit they sing to their creepy no, little barbarian. That one he kids. sang like in real life, Kit Harrington, the wildling song. People in the chat know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right, so um, yeah, perhaps we should all examine what we think we know. Danny and John have this this, this really close one on one talk here. Um, you've been talking to Tyrion. He is my hand. Well, uh, we all enjoy what we are good at, and that's when John, of course, says, "I don't." Yeah, because Tyrion talks a lot. We all enjoy what we're good at. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> say the two podcasters. Danny kind of lets this go. Tells John she will not let Cersei stay on the Iron throne or the kingdoms that belong to that throne stay in this position. So. I think she's saying, if we work this out, we got to get this back under Iron Throne. No more kings in the north. Right. You know, this is... You're warden of the north. That's what she's saying. She's saying, I still want to sit on the Iron Throne. Mm -hmm. 
And I still believe that the kingdoms that currently belong to it belong to it. Mm-hmm. And John says, I never said I disagreed with that. Correct. All John cares about is fighting this battle against the Night King. And he knows that's the most important thing. So how can he give power to Cersei? Cersei, I'm sorry, Jesus Christ, Danny. I've been doing it too. Um, you know, how, how can he give over to her when he knows there's something more important? He can't. He has to wait. But I do feel like if they won the war with the Night King and Cersei was dethroned or whatever and dead and whatever, um, and Danny was like, hey, I'm going to rule now. Mm-hmm. And she was going to be a good ruler that John would be like, that's cool. I'm yeah. going to go sing. I'm going to be in an emo <laughs> grunge band. Um, I'm going to sing a lot of, you know, really sad Cure cover songs, like everything on Blood Flowers. And that's what I'm going to do. There you go. All right. So he says something along the lines of, she tells him, I'm going to allow you to mine. I'm actually going to provide people to mine it for you. That's huge. John says, thank you. Do you believe me? You better get off to work, John Snow. Because she's like, no, bitch. Bye. And remember your bath's at six. So now people are gonna... <laughs> when you're dirty in the mines. <laughs> this is gonna be like how when much, I how much listen how much obsidian did you mine today? Oh, only three wheelbarrows full. Off to bed, but go to a bath first, <laughs> young man. You're in big trouble. We can now, only make three swords. Now that. this is gonna be like when I talked about making water, and for the next however many years of my life, people are gonna make jokes about baths as punishments before bed. There you go. This okay. That's embarrassing. So let us presume to continue here. All right. So later, Danny. To the war room. To the war room. She's talking strategy. We need to find your and Greyjoy's fleet and sink it, obviously. Uh, she's like, I will just take my dragons. Bye. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you are trying to make yourself clean. You're just going to fly around your dragons and kill a bunch of bros because that's not going to work. Tyrion's like, you'd be flying around the open seas for God knows how long or for who knows how long. Yeah. Uh, what can anyone do to them? Cersei wonders about her dragons. Again, this hubris is going to haunt her if she's not careful. The talk is cut against the sacking of Casterly Rock. With uh, a fantastic Tyrion voiceover. This is awesome. No one has ever taken the rock. They will see us coming. They will be ready. Uh, you know, Give me 10 good men and I'll impregnate the bitch. Right? Holla at Braun. Yeah, Braun. What's up? He's yeah, going to be in the next episode, too. Spoiler alert. I saw him on scenes on for the next episode. On Jamie's team. Sorry, Tyrion. And I'm a Deadpool. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I just watched the episode with that quote actually, which was cool. That's so funny too, because so random. People were saying online, and and I can't remember that stuff. But then Dean was like, "No, I literally just watched it, and he says this great quote." Yeah, and it's cool. There it was. I didn't remember the Ned Stark Arya thing, but I did remember this one. So, um, Grey Worm's getting some work done, man. He's fucking kicking ass, killing Lannister troops, but. He's outfoxed by Jamie Lannister's yeah. leadership. He's like, well, wait a second. There should be more. He's like, bros, bros, hold on. Quit killing these guys, bros. There should be more. Where are all the men? Any more men? Great shot of their fleet just being fucking destroyed. By, by the way. The Greyjoys. You're fucked. So here's what happens. This is cut against the walkthrough, the High Garden victory walk, which was an awesome follow cam on Jamie. And we learn about by the way, we see Tarly with Jamie, by the way. So that answers that question. Ugh, he's gross. He won't let Sammy bread, and that was fresh and rude. And no, he just Sam want, doesn't even have a gluten allergy, he so he can want, eat all the bread he wants. He didn't want him to eat. No, he didn't want him to literally eat all the bread, okay? No, less. It's medieval times. We can't empty the All Sam the wanted, he was at his restaurant, and there was the bread for the table, and there was one piece left, and Sam wanted to eat it. Yeah. 
just going to throw this out there. Sam's not missing any meals. <laughs> okay. So Randall might be onto something. <clears throat> anyway, Alanis Fox and. Uh, oh, we're already there? Jesus. Yeah, we're right here. Because we, we, this is cut against, there's supposed to be many more men. We see the fleet team being destroyed, and then we cut to the taking of Highgarth. Do we want to talk about the way they showed this battle at Casterly Rock and how some people didn't like it? Sure. And how I liked it? Tell me about why you liked it. Okay, this is why I liked it. I like the big battles. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. The They're Battle fantastic. of the Bastards is amazing. I liked the, the battle with Yoren at the end of the last episode. Yep. But if we end every episode with a, a big battle, we're going to be like, this is fucking boring. We have to find a different way around it. You have to think about... Um, There's plenty more coming too. Right, exactly. Ones they save their budgeting and, money for. Exactly. And we know because we've seen like the Starks had a great victory. We didn't see it. The the whispering, the whispering fucking willows or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> <laughs> the whomping willow. That like, sounds I don't like know. a fucking retirement community. No, it was well, whispering willows. Whispering willows is a retirement community. Whomping willows is Harry Potter. I don't know what the battle's wood. called. All right. Which also sounds like Harry Potter. Shout out to sh- shout out to Lord Frey for letting us use the bridge. Thanks, Lord Frey. You're dead now. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, anyway. So, we can show battles. We can show every single battle. We can spend all our money on battles. We can do whatever. But I like the idea that they're like, we have the story to tell. This battle is going to happen. We showed you a battle last week. We're going to show you a gazillion battles to come. Here's our quick voiceover as we go through what's going to happen. You get a couple of fucking cool scenes and then we move on to the next. And then we don't see any of the battle at High Garden. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with this. The show's done this before. It doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see plenty of battles over the next two seasons that they can't show us everything. They don't have the budget, the people, the time. And, and it's that not we like get they bored. And it's not like they haven't delivered amazing battle sequences before. I'd be bored. I'd be like, oh my God, a battle at the end of every episode. Let's do something <clears> different. Let's get the rom-com Jamie and Cersei in there. Just kidding. I'll never say that. So one thing I do want to address, um, they reminded me in the chat, duh, and I absolutely want to talk about this, but this is so important they, that what they did to Casually Rock, which is they dumped all the food. There's no food at Casually mm-hmm. Rock, okay? They've left them there. They have no fleet to sail back to Dragonstone. This makes me think of the Game of Thrones board game. Okay. Because if you've ever played that game, chat, and listeners who are listening to this tomorrow when it comes on your airwaves, you play that board game. If you do not have enough food to feed your people, you're going to be fucked. So you better get your shit together when you're surrounded by Lannister troops and you're up in Winterfell and you got no food. There you go. So just saying my point here is that it's, it's the unsullied have no food. They have no means of food production and guess what they're not going to do. They're not going to go get ask their, their, their neighbors, their West Roastian neighbors that they're there to subjugate to have some apples and grain. So they're in big trouble. They're on the other side of Westeros in terms of marching. Uh, Cashley Rock is in the far west. Uh, King's Landing's down in the down in the Blackwater Rush there, so that's on the other side. And of course, Dragonstone's the eastern island off of Westeros. They're so cut off. What are they going to do? Stay at Cashley Rock and starve to death? They got to do something. They got to march somewhere. They're going to have to do something. I think the Unsullied are in, in, in trouble. I don't know where they're going to go. They're not going to, if they march across Westeros, they're not going to be met with friendly faces. They're not going to, it's not, you're, you're foreign invaders to these people. Exactly. And their fleet is destroyed. So they can't just. They need food. 
So this was a brilliant strategy by Jamie. Which you learned from Rob Stark. Yes. You're welcome, Jamie. <laughs> so, yeah, bad news for Grey Worm and company. Outfoxed, as I like to say. Outfoxed. Did we fight well? Oh, yeah. Back to my best friend, Olana Tyrell. And Jamie, it's funny that Jamie is showing some modicum of grace to her. He's like, well, it's as good as to be expected. She's an old lady. He's not going to be an asshole. And she's like, well, it was never our forte, which is the reason the showrunners chose not to show the battle. Yeah, um, because there would have been a bunch of Mace Tyrells being <laughs> fucking all googly-eyed and getting killed. With their plastic swords. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, shit, I've never used this thing before. Come on. You all saw Mace Tyrell. No one wants to see this battle. Loris is badass, though. Yeah. But anyway. One guy. Dead now. Cash's Rock isn't worth much to me anymore. Other and, than and, childhood memories. But what he does say is fond memories won't keep Cersei on the throne. This is important. Oh, it is? It is. Because Jamie is not allowing emotional nonsense to cloud his military judgment here. And I think that's a good point. Fond memories, but it won't keep her on the throne. In other words, in the ruthless approach is we, we had to let it go. It's a great decoy. And he's right. We emptied the larders, burned their fleet. They'll have to abandon their position. And that's when he brings up the Whispering Wood, Rob Stark, and Elena calls Cersei a monster. When people are living peacefully, do you really think they're going to complain how it came to be? But, but even before this, the thing that Elena immediately does is they're talking about Tywin. And, right. Uh, Jamie mentions Tywin and certain things, and she basically says, like, well, I'll be able to ask him soon enough. I like that immediately she's like, I know you're going to kill me, and this is all just small talk mm -hmm. to get to the main event. Yes. So she keeps saying, how are you going to do it? She asks him twice. Mm -hmm. Know why? Because from the second he walks in that room, she knows she's going to die and she's just waiting for her fucking moment to drop her bomb. Indeed. That is all she is doing throughout this entire conversation. Mm -hmm. When is my moment? She is fantastic and I love her and miss her already. This is how I felt about Oberyn when he died. <clears throat> yep. And she's, and she's putting treacherous thoughts in Jamie's head. She 100%. will be the end of you. She is a monster. Uh, possibly. She calls him a fool because he loves her. Possibly. If she has driven you this far, she has driven you beyond your own control. She's a disease. I regret my role in spreading it. You will too. Mm. Beheading, flaying. Jamie says, I talked her out of all of these. Yeah, this is the second time she asks how she'll die. The first time he doesn't answer. That's when she calls Joffrey a cunt. I'm surprised you did not bring that up because you were very excited about that. It's my favorite. He pours the poison. Will there be pain? No, I made sure of that. Again, that's good. Boom. Downs it. Immediately. Like a fucking badass. Like a champ. Love everything about her. Sorry. I've never seen the poison work before. Um, what? No, she says before that, she says, I'd hate to die like your son. Oh, Jesus. And then she describes his death in detail. And then she says, I've never seen the poison work before. She didn't know it was going to be like that. Hmm. This moment, tell Cersei, I want her to know it was me. I have never in my life wanted to stand up and cheer more than in this moment. This final fuck you. You won. You killed me. But at the end of the day, don't worry. I gotcha. In my dying moments, I'm going to go out and let you know that I actually won. Me. Yeah. And, and it's funny because I thought Jamie's going to stab her, man. He's, me too. And he storms off. Like then, Jamie is going to slit her throat. Jamie should have just been like, hey, Elena, I get it. You're a badass. You dropped a cool bomb, but let's go ahead and check the scoreboard real quick. Mace Tyrell, dead. Loras Tyrell, dead. Marjorie Tyrell, dead. You, dead. Your house, dead. 
your fucking whole country. Ours, all the grain, ours, your castle, ours. So scoreboard. But you just have to think, like she said. Like no, I, did, I know, but I'm just saying. I, she did awful things, but never as awful as what Cersei would do. And she's at the point where now Marjorie is dead, Loris is dead, Mace is dead. Everyone is dead that she loves. So as she's watching now, the last thing she has, House Tyrell be taken from her, mm-hmm. Highgarden be taken from her. You know, that whole time she is sitting up in her little room watching, thinking, when they come to kill me, I can't wait. I cannot wait till my moment where I get to tell them this thing. Because at the end of the day, no matter what, no matter how many battles they won, she still wins. Yeah, She's dying and she wins. She wins the scene. She wins this verbal battle with Jamie. She wins the episode as far as I'm concerned. She is the MVP. We lost her whole line. The Tyrell house is it was gone. already, But it was already lost once Marjorie and Loras and everybody were dead. Yeah. There, there was no way it was going to continue on, especially once uh, the Greyjoy fleet went against Yara and in Alaria. It, it, it's just, she won, she won this episode and this scene and this final conversation with Jamie. And he can walk away and she can be dead, but it doesn't matter because she... She knows. I mean, it matters because she's the fucking best. I'm sorry she's dead. But he's going to walk out of there knowing that, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the perfect it's ending to Olena Tyrell. I agree. No, Went no out question. just like she lived. Perfect. Very Being perfect. awesome as fuck. Yep, it was perfect. Perfect way for her to go out, no doubt. And uh, Jamie fucking storms out. Doesn't kill her. Doesn't kill her. I found that impressive. And then, boom, the episode ends. Oh my god, it was so good. It was it was so good. It was such a good scene. I love her. I, I will miss her. I will miss her. Just like I miss Oberon. I need her bobblehead to put next to my Oberon bobblehead. Right. R.I.P. Great friends. Awesome. All right, let's get to some listener comments and wrap this thing Ooh, up. Oh boy. All right. I would like to start things off today by talking about the comment left by Glenn Williams. Littlefinger's speech was interesting. He may as well been speaking to the audience. Curious if there's some foreshadowing there as well. He did tell Ned Stark not to trust him. Now he's saying, everyone is your friend. Everyone is your enemy to Sansa. Seems like one of those speeches he'll refer back to when he pulls a double cross. And then Julie comments and says, then it cuts to Bran who says he sees a cross time. Maybe she should consult her bro. There you go. Good, good shit. I like it a lot. Who do you got? I'm going to read Marcos Pierrios, a.k.a. LSK. Okay. Uh, favorite parts. John standing on his own and Olena getting one final fuck you before her death. I'm a tiny bit disappointed that they just glossed over two major battles, but I understand why they had to do it. But I hate seeing Tyrion fail as an advisor once again. The writing is going exactly to plan. Quote, the night is darkest before the dawn and the dawn is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this comment of, again, some people were upset about the battles being glossed over. I was fine with it. Um, but this idea, I hate seeing Tyrion fail as an advisor again. Because this is how I felt in the last episode. I was like, holy shit, she's going to be upset with Tyrion. He failed. And now this Casterly Rock thing failed too. It sucks. Tyrion has gotten nothing right so far. Mm. When is this going to be of concern to Danny? When is this going to continue, I don't know, to be problematic? Right. So good shit. Yeah. Do you have anyone else you want to do? Um, Andrea. I'm gonna say Ramos because I don't know how to pronounce her other last name. Ramos. Lencioni. Go for it. That's a real one. Uh, anyone else notice Cersei's handmaid uh, now has her same haircut and outfit? A real single white female vibe, but I'm digging it. 
<laughs> oh god that's so good um yeah she always has something funny to say there's a lot of fantastic um little memes on here the i'm just john meme mm-hmm. yep uh they're, they're good so people should just go look they're fantastic good shit yeah anybody else you want to do um i think i'm good i'm looking at all these memes down they're really funny i think people should look at those all right, Mike Hilger says, I hate Jamie being with Cersei as much as anyone, but I love the fact that Jamie owns his feelings. He doesn't have any illusions about her or what their relationship is. For, from Jamie last season telling Edmure Tully that nothing else matters other than Cersei to this episode of Lady Olena telling Jamie that Cersei will be the end of him, and he just responds with, possibly. You may not like the influence Cersei has over Jamie, especially when it comes to any chance of his redemption, but you have to admire his probably unrequited devotion. It will be interesting to see how Jamie versus Euron plays out by the end. Boom. Good shit by Mr. Mike Hilga. <clears throat> Do you have anyone else you would like to get to? Um, I'm going to read part of a comment from Tony Piccolo. That would um, be uh, your boy in chat right now. Yeah, how Stark remembers, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm starting off 62 episodes in the making. I heard a choir of angels singing their little song <laughs> with both Daenerys Targaryen and Jon fucking Snow standing in the same room. Then the voices of those angels turned into a record scratch as they completely ran their faces into the glass door of a good first impression of each. Very anxious to see where their partnership goes or doesn't go as the allies of Daenerys are dwindling fast. Gregor may have had his first and last time with Masandi as he is now stuck between a casually rock and a hard place. Dorne will likely play no part in anything. R.I.P. Tyrell House and big F. Yeah to Atlanta going out in style. And let's not forget Cersei is prepping anti-dragon artillery. The sudden change of momentum in the Southern War now puts my mind to think the South will still be in the middle of this war when the dead come marching and everyone will collectively drop jaw and make water on their trousers. Excited to see where everyone goes down because the show did a good job of changing direction on me suddenly. One final thought is that we did not see Arya this episode, but we believe her route to be back to Winterfell. Now that Bran has arrived, it seems the glory of House Stark will band back together. As Arya says, and as my name has always implied, House Stark remembers boom that was a fantastic comment i got one more i want to read just because it's funny and it's from john marginson who who i share a lot of his sentiments because i'm going to skip right to where he says i'm reprehensibly pro lannister right now and i don't even know who i am anymore (laughs) (laughs) the whole time cersei was monologuing about what she was going to do to the sand snakes i was nodding fiercely in agreement (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Cersei says, first, I was going to have Gregor crush your skull. Me, holy shit, fucking awesome idea, Cersei, super poetic. Maybe we could crush all their heads. <laughs> so then I decided to poison you with the same poison you used on Marcella. Oh, bravo, Cersei, great call. In Kyburn, you old sod, what flair? Seriously, can you see my enthusiasm as a worse fucking story was mercifully ended? Thank God. About Dorn, yeah, they mm-hmm. were the worst of all time. Except and then he for says, O'Brien. the Tyrells, man, what was there like one guy defending the castle? I think the only Lancer injured was when an infantryman didn't mind the loose didn't mind the, the loose top step and twist his ankle. I was sorry to go, but there's nothing like casually mentioning, oh, by the way, I killed your kid to someone right before uh, they won't be able to do anything about it. Gangster till the end. Good shit. Uh, he said okay. a lot more, but uh, final thoughts on this week's episode? It was fun. I'm really excited. I don't know what's going to happen next because the previews are basically like, things are going to happen. Here's brief flashes to everyone you've ever known in this show. So I don't know where we're going next, but I'm excited to see. I am too. I'm really much. This is this is. I've been enjoying the shit out of the season. I really How many like episodes it. Episodes of the season. Was there eight? All right. 
I think. I feel upset about that. Eight and that. six or We're eight too and seven close or seven and, and six. Fuck, I should know this. Oh, there's only seven episodes. I'm going to kill myself right nah, now. I can't eight, I don't, live whatever. through that. But um, yeah, no, nothing, nothing special to add that has not already been discussed. Other than I really appreciate seeing this. I appreciate seeing these tactical maneuvers. I like this. I like seeing that it takes more than overwhelming force to win. You have to be slick with the way you maneuver your army. And I just think that's cool. I like that. I like that it gives some kind of respect to the idea of the importance of outmaneuvering somebody in warfare. That's just slick to me. I really like it. And um, I too, Mr. John Marginson, was, was shameful at how excited I was uh, for for Jamie's follow cam as he was walking through his victorious castle that he took of High Garden. So I'm I'm, I'm sorry I did. That's really into Jamie. I was like, God, weird. that's awesome. That was fucking awesome. Real weird. But anyway, um, I guess we're gonna say goodbye next week. We're gonna be recording on Tuesday again. Sorry guys who don't like the Tuesday recordings, but yeah. it's happening. That's what we do, and it makes me have to wait because I don't listen to any Game of Thrones podcasts until after we record. Because invariably you'll be influenced, right? Yeah. So I wait, yeah. and, and you're making me behind on my Game of Thrones podcast. I know, but, you know, sometimes we do it on Monday, and sometimes we do it on Tuesday. That's just how we've got to live our lives. It's true. All right, well, just don't make it any light, any later, because if you do, I'll send you to bed and make you take a bath. <laughs> oh, my God, forever now. <laughs> forever and ever. All right, we are going to get out of here. You guys have a wonderful night. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for checking out LSG Media's coverage of A Game of Thrones. Make sure you check us out on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net, where you can see other shows we have like The Walking Dead and the Science Fiction Film Podcast. Alright, folks, we will catch you next week. Have a good one!